Hey everyone, welcome to the Redeem Church Podcast. Redeem is a community of faith who are passionate about impacting the greater Tacoma area and the world. To get plugged in at Redeem, visit redeem.church. Now here's our latest talk. Hey Redeem family and millions of people watching around the globe. Dave Riesinger back with another Redeem Online message. I'm so glad that you're tuning in today. Um, We are daily adjusting to this situation, this crisis that we have in our nation, and uh, this is how we're getting our content out. And so we ask that uh, if you like it, that you would share it with somebody that you love. Maybe they need some encouragement, they need some hope, and uh, just a blessing in this time. If you don't like it, we ask that you still share it and just say you liked it, all right? I'm glad that you're here with us today, and I really do pray that this message will encourage you and that it will touch you in a deep way. And my, my specific prayer is that this word, that God would use it to really hit you where you're at in this moment and, uh, and give you faith and give you hope and deepen your love for him. You know, I was thinking back in, uh, in my life and I was just trying to remember the last time I faced or the first time I faced like the pressure or the stress of some national crisis. And the first memory I had of really remembering something that affected me or impacted me was uh, 2001. It was September 11th. Uh, I know many of you were alive watching and many, many of you can go back to that day and you remember where you were sitting. You remember the emotions that you had. And it's crazy to think this is almost 19 years ago. It doesn't seem like time flew that fast. 19 years just gone by just like that. What's more amazing is that I actually look younger today than I did then, and I would credit that to high-quality creams and lotions. A little blue steel for you there. I know some of you fainted. That was a pretty powerful look. Um, anyways, I, was, uh, I remember I was laying in bed, and my phone is blowing up early that morning, September 11th, uh, 2001, and you know I was just dead asleep, and finally I answered the phone, and... Uh, you know when you have that morning voice and you try to sound like you're awake but you, you still sound like a war vet who's been smoking for 30 years? And I pick up the phone and I hear this guy on the other end of the line, he had this accent and he's like, uh, are you awake mate? What are you doing? Turn on your telly. Uh, you've been bombed. Where's your army? And I'm like, again, I couldn't figure out who it was. And I'm like, man, am I dreaming? Am I talking to the leprechaun on the on the Lucky Charms box right now. And all of a sudden I realized it's my buddy Peter in Europe and he's telling me what's going on and I thought he was joking. Until I went to the television, he got me out of bed and I turned it on and I realized it was no joke. And I remember the, the, the awe and the, the terror that was being displayed across the airwaves. And I remember thinking um, and feeling that this was such a sober moment. It just felt like something had changed in history and things weren't gonna be the same. And when I thought of that, I was like, wow, I wonder what's gonna go down. And all of a sudden you, you hear the news and the war drums are beating. It was, I think on the 17th, the stock market took its biggest one day loss in history. And soon the dot com bubble burst and it wasn't just a matter of time that the effects of that ended up at my front door. And the reason I say that is because I remember what I felt and I remember the repercussions of this event and how it impacted me personally. Now the way I was impacted was 
very small compared to the suffering that many families experienced. 3,000 lives were lost, 25,000 people injured. Um, there was a lot of lives that were lost in the, the, the wars that came after this. Uh, and so I'm not trying to say that I suffered greatly, but based on where I was at as a young man in my 20s, and based on where I was at in my capacity to handle stress, um, it really did impact me. And I know that many of you are right now currently feeling the effects of this COVID-19, this virus, this crisis. Some of you are just in the stage of fear and it really hasn't changed anything in your life. It's just the anticipation that something's gonna change and that's what you're worried about. Other people, you're f feeling the effects of it actually. Uh, maybe it's in your finances or maybe it's uh, your, your business or you can't travel or you're disconnected from family or you had to cancel events. And so what can happen is stress can start to rise up. And so I just want to walk you through some of the things that I felt and, and the encounter I had with Jesus that changed the way I think from that point on. I'm not perfect yet, but I encountered the Lord in a special way during this, own, this, this crisis in my life. And it stuck with me all these years. So I was, uh, I'll kind of give you the background. Uh, before 2001 hit and this crisis hit, uh, rewind, I grew up in a very poor home. Uh, I had a, a single mom. When my dad left, she was working two jobs trying to support me and my three sisters. My dad was a, an alcoholic. Uh, he was a heroin addict. I grew up around Black Sabbath and Led Zeppelin and a lot of alcohol, a lot of drugs, a lot of violence, and uh, never thought I'd amount to anything. You know, I literally had this vision in my mind that I would never make more than $5 an hour. Uh, I had this vision in my mind that I would have to steal, I'd have to rob, um, I'd have to be a criminal to ever get ahead in life. And that's genuinely how I felt. And growing up in this environment, you know, it was kind of like father, like son. I, I ran wild and got addicted to pills and, and substances and alcohol. I'm drinking by myself alone in my room at two in the morning. Uh, I woke up empty. I was always angry about something. And I had this like, this thread of hopelessness that was always in me and always with me. And then I'm gonna give you the short version here. I got invited to a church, long story short, I. I'd never really been to church, I think three times my whole life. I walk in, I see these people that are happy, and I was terrified. I, I literally turned to my buddy, I'm like, there's no way these people are, are sober. There's no way they're not on drugs because people are not this happy. And I could not, I couldn't get my mind around this type of joy. And at the end of the sermon, the pastor, he, he, he says to everybody there in the congregation, hey, if you were the only one Jesus Christ would have died for you. If, if there was no one else, he loved you so much that he would have died for you. And I remember, you know, this 17, almost 18 year old young man, here I am, so broken. And in that moment, I felt this wave of love hit me. And I realized that there was a God who actually cared and that my life had meaning and purpose. And in that moment, I put my faith and my trust in Jesus. And my life was forever changed. Yes, I still had issues to battle, I still had things I had to overcome, but genuinely God gave me a new heart in that moment. And here's where I get to the 9-11 thing. So God doesn't just change my heart, but he starts to change my life. 
And the way he did that is that I started to meet people who taught me things I didn't know before, like work ethic and uh, believing that I had a purpose and that God could do something in me that was more than what I imagined before. And so I sat down with some guys that took me under their wing and, hey, you need to buy a house. I don't know how to buy a house. Well, you just go down and sign a bunch of papers and you go move into the house. You make enough money. I'm like, it's that easy? And, and these guys walked me, so I bought my first house. And then I started a business and you know, started a couple other businesses. And, and all of a sudden I'm buying more homes. I was a youth pastor, I went into the ministry. I got married at 19 years old and God started to really bless my life. And I was so thankful, I was so grateful. Um, I remember like giving financially and I, I remember the first probably six months that I would write my check and give 10%, pretty soon it was 20 and then 30%. I, I just wanted to be generous because God was so generous to me. And I remember just getting emotional when I would give because I'm like, I can't believe uh, God would allow me to have the provision like this to be able to be a blessing. When I thought I would end up dead or in jail or, or have to live a life of crime to survive. Uh, all of a sudden though, I went down the road and I'm 23, 24, 25, and I'd accumulated nice things and I was making good money. I wasn't balling. I mean, I wasn't like rich, rich. I had about 20 to $30 million in the bank. Uh, and then I woke up from that dream. I didn't have that much. Uh, I, I, but I was doing good. For a young 20-something year old, I was doing good, my wife and I. And, and uh, I kind of noticed though, I started to feel invincible. I kind of felt like I was bulletproof. And I felt like you know, nothing bad can happen, everything falls my way. And then 9-11 hit, and I was invested in some tech stocks, as you know, the tech bubble burst. Um, I was about to build some homes, and the builder in the area went bankrupt. Uh, my renters, uh, I think there was four of them at the time, all of them stopped paying rent at the same time. Can you see the stress building up? Okay, like I don't, they didn't even know each other. I was like, did you guys like get together and just decide like, hey, we're gonna stop paying rent all in the same week. I had to hire attorneys to get people out. And here we're, we're just about to have our second child. My son Caleb, he was just born. And I was so stressed out. I was like, have you ever been so stressed you felt like your head was going to explode? I was wearing tight hats just to keep my head from blowing up, right? I felt like my heart was gonna like jump out of my chest and I'd have to go retrieve it. I mean, I literally like anxiety attacks because my whole kingdom was falling apart and it wasn't my fault. I didn't ask for it. It was just circumstances. And I claimed to trust in Jesus, but I could tell that my emotions were really tied to the circumstances in my life. God started to show me my heart. And I, I don't know if you've ever been this, but so many of us, even that are believers, oh, we trust in Jesus and, and, and Jesus is our king and he's our provider. But a lot of times if we're honest, maybe we're not trusting in Jesus as our peace. Uh, many times it's our portfolio that determines the level of peace we have or how well people treat us or how nice our boss is. But I felt like in my heart, have you ever seen a, a two-year-old throw a temper tantrum? Uh, it, it, sometimes it looks like, I've had two-year-olds, 
sometimes it looks like a full-fledged demon manifestation. Like as a parent, you're tempted to like throw holy water on this child, but you're kind of you're kind of afraid that it would like cause the child to like start making weird noises and crawl up the wall and so you don't do it. I'm not suggesting that. No, I've never done it. But two-year-olds can put on a show and that's how I felt in my heart. You know, we've had our kids and, and, and there was occasions that they throw these tantrums and they just wear themselves out. And all you were trying to do is like hold them, comfort them and put them to bed and give them the rest they needed. But they didn't want to do that because they, they had in their mind a different idea of what they were supposed to be doing or what they wanted to do. And in life, sometimes we do the same thing. The reason we don't have peace is because we don't realize that in every circumstance, regardless of what it is, we actually do have a God who's inviting us to come and sit with him and be with him. In every circumstance, he's saying, I wanna teach you something and I wanna give you something that's beneficial. Sometimes it's in dry season, sometimes it's on the mountaintops. But in every situation, God is extending the goodness and the love that only he can. But when it doesn't fit our paradigm and our plan, we end up kind of throwing a temper tantrum like I was back when I was 24, 25 in this situation. And I remember feeling like I'll just work harder. I'll just go do more, you know, I'll sell more business. I'll, I'll stay up late. I'll burn the candle at both ends. I'll work eight days a week instead of seven. And I found that my effort just couldn't cut it. And my willpower just couldn't get me through like before. And in that moment, the Lord showed me that I was trusting in my own abilities and I really wasn't trusting in him. And so there I was, I collapsed. And I remember <laughs> I went upstairs and spent time with the Lord and I was reading, I was reading a book and then I'm gonna read, I was reading this scripture, I'll read you in a minute. And I remember just literally, I just kind of just, melted and just wept like all this pent up stress because circumstances were dictating my emotions. Couldn't enjoy relationships, friction with my wife, all that because of circumstances. And in that moment, God showed me in his word the secret to peace, the secret to inner prosperity, the secret to being unrattled and, and, and being stable in every situation. And this is what I wanna share with you. This is Paul's secret and all scriptures inspired by the Holy Spirit. But this is out of Philippians chapter four, verse 12. He says this, I know what it, what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or living in want. Basically what he's saying here is like, hey look, I know how to have contentment in my heart whether I'm in the struggle and I'm scraping by and there's no food in the cupboards. And I also know how to be content when I'm balling and I got the Midas touch and everything I put my hand to turns to gold. What he's saying here, just to break it down a little bit more, sometimes when things go really well, we can tend to forget God, can't we? You notice you probably pray less when everything's going your way. And you notice you probably complain more, even though you might pray more, when things go bad or when things are tough, we tend to find a way to kind of miss the mark in both of those situations. And he said, look, I found the secret to stay stable, not get too high on the highs, not get too low on the lows, but have an inner peace, which is true prosperity, regardless 
of whether I'm up or down. And I think in times like this, we must learn this because we'll waste so much time where we could be investing and enjoying the people around us. So much time spinning giants in our head when the Lord's like, hey, will you look at me? I'm so much bigger and better than your giants. So much time missing out on the silver lining and the small blessings because the circumstances have us rolling in the direction that it's choosing. Have you ever noticed that about yourself? Have you ever noticed that in human nature? That our attitudes and moods tend to rise and fall according to the situations around us? Hey, why are you upset? Well, because it's Monday and I gotta go to work. A few days later, man, why are you so happy all of a sudden? Dude, it's Friday, I don't have to work anymore, like the weekend is here. Dude, why are you so sad, man, you just look down. Well, because it's raining. A few days later, it's like, dude, I feel so good. Man, life is good, why? Well, it's sunny outside. And I'm not saying, listen, I, vitamin D is a real thing, I'm not saying that, but you know, why are you stressed? Because it's the end of the month and I'm out of money. Man, you're, you're stoked. You're walking on cloud nine, what's the deal? Why well, I just got paid today, right? Man, why are, you so, why are you so irritable? Well, because I was on my way to work and I hit every single red light. Man, three days later, like you're the happiest dude in the office. Why? Because the lights were green that week. I don't know what it is, but our, our circumstances tend to make us slaves to our surroundings when we don't know the secret that Paul was talking about. And so let me just share this. So even with people that have faith in Jesus, you notice when the money's low, the complaining's high, or the worry is high, and I'm guilty of it, trust me. I, I'm not, I haven't arrived. We all deal with it. But I'm praying day by day, the more I trust Jesus, that it gets better. When the money's high, we, like I said, we tend to forget God or we, we end up being more selfish and we tend to be more me-focused. But here's the secret to getting off the roller coaster and becoming peace-filled through any circumstance at all times as long as we're leaning in. Philippians 4.13, the next verse says, Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. So I'm not looking for my mental, my emotional strength to come from anything else other than the source of strength, peace, joy, love, stability, itself, which is a person. Peace is a person and his name is Jesus. I love that. It's not, he is the prince of peace. The Bible also says that God is love. He didn't just have love, he is love. And so here's the secret. The more I draw into close, intimate friendship and communion with God, the more I, as a byproduct and as a benefit, reap a harvest of joy and peace in the process because it comes with the relationship. Remember, Paul earned his stripes here. <clears throat> Here's a guy who, who didn't just hit green or red lights. This wasn't just a guy who got a uh, demotion and made less money next year or the previous year. So here's what he went through. Paul was shipwrecked. He was snake bitten. He was beaten. He was in prison. He was naked and cold. How many know those two go together? He was hungry. He was hated on. He was lied about. He said, in all of this, my heart is full because I'm connected to Jesus Christ. And 
he, instead of complaining, he would turn to prayer. And, and instead of, uh, he, he felt stressed. In fact, there was time, one time he says, man, I wanted to die. I don't know if any of you have been there, but I'm sure some of you watching, you've got to the place that you wanted to take your own life. Maybe right now you wanna take your own life. I'm telling you right now, there is hope and there is a reason to live. And that reason has a name and his name is Jesus. And in Jesus, you will find your purpose for life. The Bible says the steps of a righteous man or woman are ordered by the Lord. You realize that every step, every door you're to walk through, he knows the map, he's planned it out for you. You don't need to figure out how you're gonna get out of this economic struggle. All you need to know is how do I get closer to Jesus, follow his word and pursue him while exercising my uh, stewardship over the things in my life and he will guide every step. That's the trust we can have and that's what Paul was teaching us. I love this too because this passage in Psalm 20 verse seven says, some, some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. You know what's interesting here is that God gave people tools and resources and these resources that the psalmist is talking about, they were actually used by God to bring victory over enemies and to protect the nation. Uh, they had chariots and horses. It's not that they didn't use them. They said, we use them, but we don't trust in them. Does that make sense, right? So we, 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 we have a tool in our hand. We have a resource in our hand. And it could be a blessing from God. It could be a gift. It could be something that he gave us because we follow him and we obeyed him. I believe that this nation, in fact, is blessed, not perfect. We've, we have some dark days in our, in our past and in our current uh, state. Uh, we're not a perfect nation, but what I'm saying is I think that God has blessed this nation with some real tools and some real resources, but we don't trust in them. David, King David, was a man after God's own heart. And I wanna read out of Psalm 78, 72 because he reinforces this idea. David was a man after God's own heart, not because he was perfect or sinless. In fact, far from it. This is a man who committed adultery, covered it up with a murder, he lied, he was unrepentant for uh, about a year. He made some major mistakes. But David had a heart that continually turned to the Lord. He says this in Psalm 78, 72. <clears throat> and David shepherded them, Israel, with integrity of heart and with skillful hands he led them. Throughout history, when God's people loved him and they prayed and they sought him with a true devotion, <clears throat> the Lord blessed them. Yeah, there was war. <clears throat> yes, there was struggle. Uh, yes, there was hardship. But inevitably, God would bring victory and he would bring help and he would bring favor. But anytime his people would start to trust in the tools, in the resources, in the money, they would lose battles and they would go backwards. Seven cycles, Israel did this. Now, what does this mean to us? Uh, I think about the situation we're in and I'm gonna close with this idea. Here we are, the most powerful nation on the planet. You know, when 9-11 happened, I literally thought like, there's no way this happens to America. H how could somebody come onto our soil and do this, right? Uh, even COVID-19, like when you look at, man, okay, I can see that happening in other countries, but we have the most powerful technology, the most advanced medicine, the most incredible infrastructure, 
we have a military and an economic dominance that gives us the sense of being bulletproof to some degree. And, and here in, in this day and age, right now in this hour, we have a microscopic invader. We can't see with our naked eye that's literally wreaking havoc on our nation, on our systems, like I talked about last week, on our economy. And it was such a reminder, as I've been thinking about this, of, of the fact that we really, at the end of the day, don't have too much control or power unless the Lord God extends his sovereign hand of help and protection. But here's the question, in your personal life and in this nation, are we asking for it? Are we asking God, please extend your hand of help right now? Or have we got to a place like I did when I was 25 and I thought like, I got this, God got me here, but I kind of forgot, kind of forgot the thing that got me there, which was a, a thankfulness and a devotion to the Lord. You know, it was cool because the lesson that I learned, you know, I, uh, I took a big hit. God called us to move from Portland up to the Seattle area and I would take a 75% cut in pay. And it was like terror to me. I had a fear of poverty because I grew up poor and I never wanted to go back. And God used this to crucify the love of money in me and teach me trust. And I remember like when I finally surrendered to him and I turned my heart back to trusting him instead of trusting in my ability or my money or my previous success. And, and, I, and I took a huge hit and we were living on far less when we moved. And I moved into this little town home when I had new cars and houses and taking vacations to Maui and the Caribbean and all this stuff. And here I was just barely scraping by, but my heart was more settled than it had ever been in my life. And in that little apartment with my two little babies and my wife, I remember just weeping because I felt like the richest, most satisfied man in the world because I had God, I had peace, and I had what was most important. It was a matter of time, God restored to me and he, he, he blessed me, but now I don't trust in those things. And so Psalm 127.1 says, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand and watch in vain. And so I wanna close with this. In this hour, I am so thankful for the tools and the resources that this nation has. I'm so thankful for our hospitals, for our doctors and our nurses. God, pray for them. Pray for, I have friends that are nurses and in the medical field. We need to pray for them, that God would spare them. God would give them rest. They're on literally the front lines. This is our special forces in a war against this invisible uh, enemy. I thank God for uh, Lysol. Can I get an amen for some Lysol? I'm kind of a germ freak. Uh, thank God for Costco, food and water. I, I thank God for an economy strong enough to potentially infuse $1 trillion back into the system so that Americans can maybe kind of stay afloat. I'm, I thank God for these things, but I don't trust in these things. And finally, I want to read this. Psalm 44, 6-7. I put no trust in my bow. My sword does not bring me victory, but you give us victory over our enemy. You put our adversaries to shame. Listen, just recently, um, our vice president was mocked uh, for leading a, a team of uh, government officials in, in prayer. And he was mocked in this article because they regularly pray, but especially and specifically because of the coronavirus. And uh, the, the premise of the, the mockery in this article was basically like, 
it's gotten so bad that these people in charge have run out of ideas and they're helpless uh, and cannot figure it out. And so they have to do this like deal where they pray and do this uh, fairy tale, uh, talk to some invisible God thing. And it, it was kind of sad to read because whether it's the Obama administration or Clinton or Bush, it doesn't matter. That's the greatest source of strength we have is the humility to admit that we cannot do it on our own and we need God. I love this passage, 2 Chronicles 7.14. If my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. I feel like in this moment, this is not a time to panic. It really is a time to pray, a time to genuinely turn back to Jesus, not just to give God a nod like, hey, throw me a bone, but genuinely to put our hearts back in his hands, to stop trusting in our tools and our resources, but to trust in the one who makes them effective in the first place. I love this quote. It says, when men work, men work, but when men pray, God, God works. I'm gonna lead us in a prayer here and I wanna encourage you in this moment, maybe you feel the pressure and you feel the lack of peace. That's a sign that maybe you're putting your trust in something that is unstable. You know, your faith is only as good as the object that you put it in. You can have strong faith in a weak object and your faith is only as strong as the weakness that you're putting it in. Or you can put trembling, weak faith in a sure and solid thing like the, the presence of God himself or the word of God. And even weak faith in a strong object is as strong as the object that you put it in. And so God is calling us to return to him, to seek his face and to ask him to extend his hand of protection and blessing and favor and provision. And so I wanna lead in a prayer right now. Why don't you join me? Father, we come to you now and we don't know why things happen the way they do all the time, but we do know this that you are sovereign and that you're in control. And I pray for those watching that God, you would right now, God, by your hand of healing through a deep ministry of the Holy Spirit, that you would calm the storm. Some of you are dealing with anxiety. I pray that you would just experience the, 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 the reassuring, calming presence of Jesus right now, wherever you're at. Some of you are freaking out and it's causing friction in your relationship. And I pray for you. I pray that there would be reconciliation, that there'd be healing as you turn to prayer instead of panic. And I wanna say finally, um, for those of you that don't know Jesus, maybe you've never put your faith or your trust in him. The Bible says that he is the life, he is the, he's the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. This is a savior and a God who cannot just, he, he didn't just save us he didn't just have the power to save us from a virus, but he can save us from eternal destruction. He loves you so much that he died on the cross so that you could have life and your sins could be forgiven. And I just want you to pray with me and then we're gonna close. If you're saying yes to Jesus for the first time or you're rededicating your life to the Lord, why don't you say this prayer with me? Lord Jesus, I thank you that you died on the cross and that you rose from the dead so I could have eternal life. I believe that I am a sinner, but you're the savior. I confess my sin. I repent. Lord, I'm sorry that I've lived for myself, but right now I put my trust in you and the work you did 
to forgive me and to give me new life. Jesus, I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. Fill me with your Holy Spirit right now. Give me the power to serve you and love you from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thank you so much again. I'm so glad you took the time to join us. Again, send this message, share this on social media, invite someone to watch it. If you wanna find out more about what's going on at Redeemed Church, um, or if you want us to follow up with you and uh, you wanna get plugged in or you, you want prayer, reach out to redeem.church. That's our website, redeem.church. I love you, God bless you, praying for you. And I know all is good because the Lord is with us. Take care.